Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWANTTOGARDEN.COM and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWANTTOGARDEN.COM. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have our second half of our interview with Tom Spellman of Dave Wilson Nursery to talk about fruit trees and urban orchards. Tom has been involved in the nursery business since 1973. At that time, he was a freshman in high school and rode his skateboard to work. How fun is that? Since then, he has worked for several different nurseries, including Nogales Nursery, where he learned landscape design, installation, irrigation, and construction. Armstrong Nurseries, where he worked with hybridizers, growers, and retail on the weekends. Laverne Nursery, which specializes in avocado, citrus, subtropical fruits, and grafted ornamentals, where he was general manager for 20 years, and currently Southwestern Sales Manager for Dave Wilson Nursery. 
Dave Wilson Nursery is the largest grower of fruit, nut, and shade trees in the USA. They grow 10 and a half million trees per year and ship wholesale worldwide. Over the past 20 years, Tom has also done television, radio, video, written and conducted workshops and lectured on the concepts of backyard orchard culture and fruit growing in general. Tom's dedication and passion for quality fruit growing has taken him to dozens of states in the U.S. as well as several countries around the globe to consult and lecture on fruit trees and fruit growing concepts. Welcome to the show today, Tom. Greg, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here with you today. Absolutely. So tell us about Dave Wilson Nursery, would you? Yeah, you know, Dave Wilson Nursery is, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to blow this up, but I, Dave Wilson Nursery, I, to me, is one of the most wonderful companies in the world. I, I've worked for them now for 15 years. Uh-huh. Uh, they've given me wonderful opportunities, you know, to, uh, to go out and, and, and work with people and sell trees and talk about trees, you know, like, I, like you mentioned in my introduction, I've, I've, you know, I've done television work, I've done radio work, and I've done, I've written dozens of articles, and I've traveled all around the country and the world um, talking about fruit trees, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's what they want me to do. I mean, number one, they want me to sell trees, <laughs> but, you know, this is kind of, this is, goes hand in hand with it. If I can talk about trees and, and educate people on, on what does well and where it does well and and you know why trees are going to do well in a specific area? My uh-huh. sales go up, and 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 they've done very well. So Dave Wilson Nursery's given me the opportunity to uh, meet some wonderful people, deal with some wonderful people, do some traveling. The nursery is a very very efficient uh, machine in, in production of, of of trees. We've been in business for over seventy five years since nineteen thirty eight. Wow. Uh, we started out just growing trees for commercial agriculture. Mm-hmm. And they were just shipping trees. Uh, you know, the Davidson Nursery is located um, east of Modesto in the Sierra foothills in California, San Joaquin Valley. So uh-huh. we were basically just shipping trees around the valley in the early days. And we still do a lot of business in the San Joaquin Valley with, you know, almond farmers, uh, walnut farmers, fruit tree, you know, commercial growers, and, and all kinds of business in that area. But we're now shipping trees to wholesale nurseries, retail nurseries, farmers market growers. And, you know, people all over the globe. I mean, most of our business is still in the western United States, mm-hmm. but a lot of our business goes all around the country and to, to several, you know, uh, foreign countries all, all the time. So uh, 10.5 million trees in That's 2016. Amazing. That's amazing. Probably more than that this next coming season. We don't actually have a, a live count yet for 2017, but it's probably, we may go up by another million trees for this next year. Wow. In general, um, we're very efficient at what we do. We do a fine job with it. We have many, many, many of our employees. I've been there 15 years, and I'm one of the young guys. Uh, <laughs> many of our employees have been there 20, 30, and, and even 40 years. Wow. It's a, it's a good company to work for. We, we produce a good product at, at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Uh, we back our product, you know, 100%, and, uh, you know, work with growers all, all over the world and how to be successful with uh, with fruit and nut production. So I don't know. It's, it's been a great opportunity for me. I can't yeah. I can't thank Dave Wilson and Nursery uh, enough for providing me the opportunity that they have. And like I said, I can't even think about retirement. I, I hope to be here for I hope to be here for another ten years or more. Or hundred. 
Yeah, let's think uh, optimistic, right? <laughs> yeah. So I actually had an opportunity to come and see your operation here two summers ago. Yeah. Wow, it's been two, yeah, two years already. And it, it's an amazing space. There was my sense of a 20 million trees in the ground when I was there. Yeah, between between rootstock and, and finished product yeah. you know, trees, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a two to three year program. So uh-huh. at any given time, yeah, about 20 million trees in the ground. Wow. That is, that is just, it just blew me away. It was so incredibly, incredibly cool. Tell us, you've done something unique online uh, called Fruit Tube, and I really want to point people in that direction. To, so if you just go to Google and type in Fruit Tube, you're going to come up all over the place, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. tell us about that program, because I love it. I absolutely love it. They can it. access it by going to the Dave Wilson uh, website, DaveWilson.com, and, mm-hmm. and go to the Backyard Grower section and go to videos. You know, And, and uh, we've done... Oh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 120 different videos, I think. Nice. Um, on anything you can imagine that has to do with fruit. You know, we've done planting videos and pruning videos, and we've done um, videos on, on visiting horticultural collections. You know, I visited the persimmon collection at the South Coast Research and Extension Center and then the avocado collection at the uh, South Coast uh, Research and Extension Center. I visited the citrus collection at UC Riverside. And we've done um, videos with other uh, nursery professionals on, on different types of, of fruit tree growing and mm-hmm. vegetable growing. And we've done videos on, on cooking with fruit. You know, I visited with some, some top-notch chefs uh, up in Las Vegas on, on different recipes for growing fruit. Uh, we've shown propagation. We've got grafting videos. We've got all nice. kinds of different methodology up there on, on how to be successful. And, and some of the videos are dedicated more to commercial growers. Others mm-hmm. are dedicated more to backyard growers. We've done now a series of about four years' worth of videos on the development of a new backyard-style uh, mini orchard that we put in at the nursery. So we started with the day we broke ground, you know, oh, leveling nice. the digging the holes and planting the first trees and pruning the first trees and whitewashing the first trees and putting the irrigation system in. And then we did our first summer pruning and then a winter pruning and then the next summer pruning and winter pruning and and so on and so forth. We've done fruit thinning videos in that orchard and and evaluation videos in that orchard. And it's a really nice orchard. It has all different styles of um, methodology for the backyard grower from multiple planting, you know, two trees in the space of one, three trees in the space of one, four trees in the space of one, mm-hmm. a spelliard fruit trees, hedgerow fruit trees, uh, grape arbor, you know, all different types of, of backyard growing methodology is represented in that in that small mini orchard. Nice. And, and uh, you know, and the, being able to do a whole series on it, I think was really important because it gives people the perspective of what, what can you expect in the first year? Right. What can I expect from a from a fruit tree that's that's 18 inches tall where do i go in the first season mm-hmm. and how do i treat it that first season so I, I i'm i'm really proud of that series of videos and we're going to continue on with it we're going to cool. keep doing it you know as, as, as long as we can nice was that your idea i wouldn't say it was my idea it was kind of a uh, uh conglomeration of of ideas and we had a we had a test orchard in before but it wasn't really managed properly it, it didn't get you know i would say a quarterly management you uh-huh. know of maintenance and 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 that's what we've done with this one is we tried to make sure that we get in there at least quarterly and do some work on it and 
one of the things about this this uh, this mini orchard, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, you've got all these uh, people that work with you, and you know, you can take really good care of it, and you can manage it, you know, meticulously, and you got people in there every week doing work on it. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. I get I get very little help from <laughs> the nurse. It's, it's basically me, yep. a couple of the other sales reps that are really enthused with it, and our videographer, Michael Tomlinson, who um, has been involved since day one. Uh-huh. So there are really only four of us that maintain this mini orchard, and we try and, and work one day every quarter to keep it in shape. Oh, nice. And uh, it worked out well. And, cool. and you know, there, there are successes and there are failures. Uh-huh. And, you know, we we put in part of it. We put in a nice uh, Belgian-style fence with figs. And I and I had issues from from the first year where we had gopher problems and you know we couldn't oh, get that yeah. under control and and uh, it just didn't work out. So you know we we've, we've we've had a couple failures in there. Mm-hmm. We recently took out uh, a couple pomegranates where we planted them too close together. So I'm trying to show people both successes and failures. I'm, I'm yeah. not you know I, I don't want to show the perfect orchard that looks like it's been manicured by some bonsai artist you <laughs> know every uh, every two weeks mm-hmm. all year long. I want it to be a project that represents what the average backyard grower is going to be able to accomplish yeah. with a minimal amount of, of the influence. Nice. Nice. So tell us about, you mentioned your website, DaveWilson.com. There's a lot of great information there for backyard growers and well, for growers in general. Tell us, tell us what we can find there. Well, we've had our website now for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, it, we really, we have a full-time webmaster that works on it. We have uh, a nice. lot of people that that add to it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, my like I mentioned, Michael Tomlinson, our videographer, he's also, he t- takes all of our still photos. He, man- you know, evaluates fruit and things for us, so he's always posting and and blogging and, you know, doing all those, those things uh, uh, to keep people informed on what's going on. We're trying to add something to it all the time. We're trying to add something to it almost on a weekly basis. Uh-huh. So whether it's a video or an article or just a fruit evaluation or, or something, there's always new information being posted to the website. And it's not only for backyard growers. It's set up in three different sections. There's uh-huh. a commercial grower section. There's a, a nursery section where our, our wholesale and retail nursery customers can use that to their advantage. And there's a backyard grower section that you know that that i contribute to more than than anything else so we want our commercial customers to be able to go and get commercial variety information and Mm -hmm. and growing information we want our backyard growing you know uh, customers who don't buy direct from us but buy from our direct customers right so we want everybody to be able to take full advantage of the website we're really proud of it we put a lot of time and effort into it i think it's probably it's not the most one of the most comprehensive websites on on fruit production and cultivation yeah. that you'll find anywhere. Yeah, and, it's uh, an amazing resource. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, and and I, I hope to be able to continue on with that, you know, for a long time. We've got a lot of enthusiasm behind it, and we've got a lot of people that put a lot of effort into it, and I, and I'm sure it's going to go, you know, well beyond my time at Dave Wilson Nursing. Yeah, perfect. So. Let's talk about books. I know there's been probably many books in your life that have uh, impacted you, but you mentioned a couple in our pre-conversation, and I just want to do a shout-out for them because they're pretty powerful books. 
Uh, absolutely, Greg. You know, I mean, uh, I, I think probably one of the one of the best books that I've come across is a UC publication from University of California, and, it, and it's not only a California publication; it, it, it goes, you know, nationwide. Uh-huh. And it's uh, it's called the Home Orchard, uh, growing your own deciduous and, and fruit fruit and nut trees, and it's a University of California publication. I think the publication is three four eight five. So you can go to their website and order it off their website. Um, it has all the information you'll need on on structuring of fruit trees, on selections for the area. It explains things in really good detail, and that's something that I, you know, when I do lectures and when I um, you know, go out and, and and work with people, uh, sometimes I'm, I, I don't pay that much attention to detail, and and it it could be considered a fault, but it could be considered an attribute, and I think it's more of an attribute because I, I want people to not follow my instructions on how to prune a fruit tree. Uh-huh. I want them to, to prune a fruit tree by what works well for them. And this right. publication gives lots of different examples on, on initial structuring, you know, on working from a young tree, on espalier work, on, you know, on anything that has to do with fruit trees in general. So it's a really, really good publication. I, I'm referencing it all the time, and, and Dave Wilson Nursery was actually a partial contributor um, to some of the information that's there. So yeah, I'm kind of partial to the book, but you know what? It's all good, accurate uh, information, and it's all easy reading. It's not in a. Um, it's not published like a lot of the UC publications. It, it's it's actually um, uh, pleasant and, and entertaining, along with you know being oh, nice. informative. Yeah. So that you know that's probably my my go-to book more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But, I've over the years in, in working so much with uh, hybridizers, you know, and I work a lot with uh, Zager hybrids out of Modesto, and I worked years ago <clears throat> with some of the uh, rose and fruit tree hybridizers at Armstrong's, and I'm I'm fascinated by hybridizing in general. So one of the one of the not a book but a set of books that I go back to quite often, and we mentioned the author earlier, Luther Burbank. Uh-huh. I think it was about 1910 or 12 when he put this series of books together and it's just called um it's luther burbank his methods and discoveries and it's a 12 volume set but it goes into what he did and 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 how he he you know hybridized the first varieties that he did it talks about santa rosa plum and it talks about you know russet potatoes and Mm -hmm. it talks about all those different things that he did over the the decades and and how he got to 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 where he got and and i think it's it's fascinating reading it's um, it's written in a style that uh, you won't find today. It's written in a style that's over a hundred years old. So wow, yeah, it's it's a it's a really really good uh, volume of, of or twelve you know volume set. Yeah, and I find myself referencing that uh, very very often. There's always something good that I get out of there. And you know, the information being over a hundred years old, it uh-huh. still holds today. How cool it is that? It still makes perfect. Luther Burbank was way ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. Do you have a Do you have a copy of that, like a printed copy of it? I do. I do have a. I actually have a signed um, uh, original set. Wow! And, uh, I'm real fortunate, I think, to get that one. Yeah, it no is. kidding. Cool. You can probably go on on the internet. And it's probably digitized, where you could go to the internet and 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 you know read it page by page if you wanted to. Yeah. I'll I'll definitely look into that. Yeah. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, 
uh, you know, I could go on for, you know, I can go on for hours on that. I think a couple of things that are important. Uh, number one, we talk about uh, growing varieties that you like and you'll use being one of the concepts of backyard orchard culture. And also, in with that concept, we talked about growing varieties that are uh, tried and true and adapted to your area. Uh-huh. So that's, that's, you're going to be successful with that. But what I, what I don't want people to overlook is experimentation. Mm. So I kind of have an 80-20 theory on that. I want 80% of the varieties that I planted to be varieties that I know are adaptable to my area, mm-hmm. varieties that are on a rootstock that's going to do well in my area, varieties that I know are going to give me a good quality fruit crop, you know, year after year after year. So that's that's my commodity. You know, I want commodity peaches and commodity plums and commodity citrus and things like that, so that I get a good fruit crop all the time. Yeah. But I I'm 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 an experimenter. I always uh-huh. have been. And and I don't want to devote all of my space to experimentation, but I want to devote twenty percent of it to that. Mm-hmm. So on that twenty percent. I'm always trying new varieties. I'm always putting in whatever is new and cutting edge. And if it works, it becomes a commodity. If it doesn't, it gets taken out and becomes something else the next year. So you've, you've got to shake it up a little bit. You don't want to grow uh, just, you know, uh, Eva's Pride Peach and Santa Rosa Plum and, and Anna Apple. You want to try some different things. You want to try some things that um, are going to give you fruit at different times and some things that are new and intriguing. And, and that's what really kind of brings the fun and excitement back to backyard orchard culture. So, you know, working with those new things all the time and allowing and having space available for those things all the time, I think, is important. Beautiful. That being said, I got blueberries in my yard this year. I actually harvested oh, about a half a dozen. An example of, of a really exciting, you know, new series of introductions are those blueberries. Cherry, true cherry plum hybrid. Yeah. And they and, uh, yeah, are delicious. I have, uh, I have several in my yard right now, and, yeah. and they're, you know, they're the, the variety sweet treat. You know, the, the uh, variety that we just finished up here a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a, just a spectacular piece of fruit, and um, <clears throat> I, uh, I really, really like those. And, you know, the nice thing is we've introduced three varieties so far. Mm-hmm. Actually, two are already on the market, one new one coming on this next season. But we have about 60 varieties in our evaluation program. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I, I potentially could introduce a new uh, Pluary every year for the next 20 years without any, any problems. So Six, 60. we're looking for, you know, different, different fruit types. We're looking for early season, mid-season, late yeah. season. And, and that's, that's one of the fun things that, uh, that I get to do is, um, you know, working with Vega hybrids in Modesto. Floyd Vega is, is, is an absolute genius when it comes to fruit hybridization. And interestingly enough, uh, Floyd Zager is only two steps away from Luther Burbank. Oh, wow. Uh, when Floyd Zager began his career of hybridizing, he worked with a man by the name of Anderson, who is the, the original father of the nectarine. He hybridized oh, my the nectarine. And Anderson worked directly with Luther Burbank. Mm. He got Burbank to Anderson to Zager, and, uh, and now Zager's, you know, Floyd's uh, uh, daughter and sons are working with him in the operation. And um, one thing I want to mention, I, I, uh-huh. I think this, you know, uh, the, I think is important. A lot of people confuse hybrids with uh, genetically modified organisms. Oh, yes. And they're not. They're absolutely not. Hybridization is an, an, an ancient art that goes back 
thousands of years, uh-huh. and most of the things that we have on the market today are hybrids. Most of the tomatoes and vegetables and, and grains and most of the fruits and things like that that we have now are hybrids. So what, what Zager has done, you know, with working with Anderson, with working with Burbank, is Zager's been able to hybridize different uh, species within the same genus. So he can cross an apricot and a plum. He can cross uh, a plum and a nectarine. He can cross a plum and a cherry and things like that to come up with interspecifics that give you hybrid fruits. But they're in no way, shape, or form genetically modified. They're, they're done by taking the pollen from a, a, a maternal selection, or uh-huh. taking the pollen from a paternal selection, a male selection, right. and, and pollinating a paternal parent. So I can take uh, pollen from an apricot and pollinate the flower of a plum. And I'm doing that in isolation so that I won't have any bee activity or uh-huh. nothing else is going to change the hybrid that I'm trying to create. So I'm putting in one variety because it's early and one variety because it's got good color and one variety because it has good flavor and one variety because it shows a disease resistance. So in working with things over time, I can breed these characteristics into fruit trees without ever inserting anything genetically that wouldn't be there in nature had they not had the opportunity to overlap in a natural setting. Yeah. And what they do is they, they do the, the pollinizations and they do right. they 60 to 70,000 of these every year. Oh my gosh. And then they grow those fruit on and then they, they plant those fruit out into a four-year evaluation program. So 60 to 70,000 hybrid crosses will get planted out and they're evaluated for four years. And they may not even have produced fruit in the first four years, but they, you know, they could be looking for other characteristics, an early flowering characteristic, mm-hmm. um, a short inner node, a, a, a different leaf type, or a different, you know, structure to the tree. Whatever they're breeding, you know, characteristics for. So then they'll take those varieties that look promising out of those uh, sixty or seventy thousand per year, right? And graft those into mature trees in the field and grow them on for fruit production and then do a full evaluation, a 10-year evaluation on, on the fruit itself and the, and the variety itself. So any of Zager's introductions that come on the market uh-huh. are, are true um, hand-pollinated hybrids that have wow. been evaluated minimum of 14 years with, with no uh, genetic insertion of any kind of anything that shouldn't be there in the fruit. So you don't have any moose genes or trout genes or... <laughs> weed genes in, in, in your plum tree. They're all within the same species. They're all within prunus, or they're all within mollus, or, yeah. you know, within the same, uh, uh, not species, but genus. Mm-hmm. So within, within the same family. So and it's really interesting because they get the opportunity. The prunus genus is huge. You know, you've got peach, plum, nectarine, uh, apricot, almond. You've got cherries. Uh, the interspecies hybrids, uh, pluaries and pluots and apriums and cherums and and you know peach plums and all these different things that are that have come out of that program. So that you know the the, the genus prunus is is gigantic. At it's the huge, time and, yeah. And lends all kinds of, of different uh, characteristics for for breeding. So they're you know they're just they're having a field day working with prunus in general right now. So nice. You've got sixty to seventy thousand seedlings per year uh-huh. and a four year evaluation. So that gives you at any given time a quarter of a million plants under evaluation. Oh my gosh. Now you've got about a hundred acres of of the second generation of varieties that have been butted out into mature trees in the field for that full tenure evaluation. 
Mm-hmm. So we're talking thousands and thousands of trees with, you know, dozens and of, of, of new hybrid varieties that come out of that program every year. And, uh, you know, they've been at, been at it for over 60 years now. And some of the new varieties that they're coming up with, that sweet tree pueri in particular, uh-huh. they're, they're phenomenal. It's they're, a stunning it's fruit. This is a fruit. Oh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really, I really feel honored to be able to work with, you know, Dave Wilson, who has a, has a uh, first right of refusal to Zager uh, patented varieties. So we, we can, you know, uh, oh my introduce thing that we want yeah. out, out of the collection. And, you know, we're basically their, the commercial grower, you know, for Zagers, a lot of the nice. varieties that we're producing. Uh, one, of, one of the almond varieties right now is, is more than 50% of our total production. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So let me, I just so want to, I want to review this real quickly. So, because uh, I was going to ask you, you, interestingly, you read my mind. Um, I was going to ask you how they hybridize something like a pluary. So what I heard you just say is they take one stone fruit and cross it with another one in, in a, basically in a sheltered area so there's no other pollen involved. Correct. That's step it's, number it's one. It's in a, uh, in a screen house. Each, each individual tree uh-huh. um, that is being pollinated is in a screen house. So that there can be no other uh, insect activity that would taint that pollinization or or put anything else in the cross that they hadn't calculated. Cool. So that, it's all done by hand, and then uh-huh. the, the tree is screened up, and then the fruit is grown on. You know, once the tree is completely out of bloom, the screenhouse is removed. The fruit is matured on that tree, and then um, the uh, the seeds recovered and and planted out for that future evaluation. Got it. So then then they're taking those seeds and planting them and growing them into trees. And yes. they, they probably get one in 10,000 that works? I, you know what? It's probably not much more than that. Yeah. You know, in I mean, in that, I think they probably take, oh, you know, several hundred varieties a year, maybe 500 varieties a year mm-hmm. that go into that secondary 10-year evaluation yeah. program. And out of that, um, once they're fully evaluated and, and um, you know, they... They know the cross is, is uh, true to type, and it has the characteristics that they're looking for. They may release 10 to 20 varieties a year. Mm-hmm. So you know, 60 to 70,000 crosses a year, evaluating <laughs> over a, a million trees mm-hmm. per year, release 10 to 20 varieties. Yeah. Wow. So there's, there's a lot of work. And, you know, people have, have looked at Zagers over the years and said, well, how can they have all these good varieties? Well... It's just a numbers game. Yeah. It's just that, you know, most hybridizers do a thousand crosses a year at best, where Zagers do 60 to 70,000 a year. Wow. So they're going to have, you know, 60 to 70 times more uh, good varieties and mm-hmm. more releases than any other hybridizer. That's exciting. Wonderful. I mean, it's really just an, an amazing place. And there's, a, you know, there's a couple of our videos up on the YouTube uh, uh, right now that are Zager mm-hmm. um, walkthroughs, you know, evaluating fruit. Oh, right people that are out there so if you know if people are curious about that you know it, it would be good to go and check out those videos cool so to wrap this thing up tom do you have any other epic fruit tree stories you could share with us well you know i, I one of the things that uh i get to do with you know through dave wilson nurseries i get to do a lot of experimentation myself uh-huh. I, I have a very good relationship 
with the um, upper echelon at the South Coast uh, Research and Extension Center in Irvine, California. Uh-huh. It's a um, it's a UC project, and it is um, it is all kinds of different individual projects on fruit growing. There, you know, there's strawberry hybridizers there, and, and blueberry uh, projects, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, the persimmon big persimmon collection, and the germplasm collection for av- avocados and the United States is held there, so there's a lot of different things wow. going on there uh-huh. all the time, and they, they've given me some plots to work with over the years. So I've done um, I've done an interspecific trial there, which was pluots and apriums and, and cherry plums, which was very successful. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a backyard style uh, or backyard variety test garden there, including uh, probably 25 of my favorite you know varieties for Southern California, and about. Let's see. Would have been three years ago, March first. Uh-huh. We we put a new project in, which was an evaluation of high chill apple varieties in Orange County, California, which is a very low chill I, environment. I was going to say that's a low chill area. Yeah, very low chill, and at, you know, average chill hours at, at the Irvine Field Station are probably less than two hundred hours per year. Wow. And in. In 2014 uh-huh. and 2015, they were around 50 hours. So, oh my gosh! You know, um, some would even say that's probably give back. <laughs> but um, the reason that I did that, wanted to put in this trial on on high chill apple varieties, and these are varieties that are rated between 500 and 1,000 chill hours required to pr- produce fruit. Uh-huh. And the reason I wanted to put it in was because over my career of 40 years now working, you know, uh, 35 years working with, with fruit trees in general. The reason I wanted to put this program in is because people have told me for decades, hey, I've got this um, red delicious apple in Malibu, and I've got uh-huh. a Arkansas black apple in Costa Mesa, and I've got, you know, uh, uh, Hudson's Golden Gem in downtown San Diego, California, and, and they're producing fruit. And I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't make <laughs> sense. These, Varieties shouldn't be producing fruit here. So at first, I kind of just blew it off, and I thought, eh, you got the wrong variety, or you really don't, you really don't know what you have. And then I started to pay some more attention to it. I started to go around and look at what people actually had and what the crops that they were getting. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't know how to explain this, but everywhere that I go, uh, people are producing these high chill apples, and they're, they're, the quality of the apples is good, and they're definitely true to type, and they're producing them in areas where they should never be producing. Wow! So I, I talked to the, you know, the UC Extension agent there, John Kabashima, who's a good friend of mine, and I said, John, I'd like to put in this this project and evaluate some of these apples. I'm I'm relatively confident that this project is going to be successful, and I, I just want to do it. So I, I don't want to do it myself. If I did it in my backyard. Then it would be, Tom says you can grow high-chill apples in Louisville, Orange County. But if I do it with you, and we can write the paper as a UC study, now I've got some documentation that, that, you know, actually holds water. Uh So, you know, John said, yeah, you know, we've got some extra space. You can go, let's go ahead and do this. What do you want to put in? I said, I want to put in 33 different varieties that are all rated between 500 and 1,000 chill hours. And we're going to put them all in on, on the same rootstock, and we're going to irrigate them all the same. We're going to prune them all the same. We're going to, you know, treat the whole block as just a little mini commercial orchard. Uh-huh. And I want to see what we do. So in the second year, after the second full year, out of those 33 varieties, 
I had 27 that were fruiting. That's two years in the ground. What? Um, this year, I have 29 out of the 33 that are producing a, a reliable crop of fruit. And these are all varieties that shouldn't ever, the way that they're rated, the way that they've been evaluated for uh-huh. the past 100 years, they're all varieties that should never produce a fruit in Orange County. So there's, gonna, there's some varieties that have done exceptionally well. And, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to writing the report on it. I don't know whether I'll do it this coming fall or maybe the fall of 2017. I'd, uh-huh. I'd like to get I'd like to get a full, you know, March 1st was three years in the ground. I'd like to get a full four to five years of evaluation out of the project before I write the report. But uh-huh. you know, considering that right now 33 varieties that shouldn't produce there, 29 <laughs> out of the three have a reasonable fruit crop. Some of them have a branch breaking fruit crop. We've already thinned the, the orchard twice. Wow. And uh, the trees are doing beautifully, and the fruit quality's been really good. And there's going to be about eight or ten varieties that come out of this project that I'm going to start to evaluate under, under low-chill conditions. And, and I'm going to say, I'm going to completely, you know, uh, rewrite the book on, on how and where and when <laughs> you can keep. So I'm really enthused about this project. Cool I, I never dreamed that it this fruitful this early and be this successful yeah, so, no kidding and there's a there's a, actually a, a video i believe it was last fall when, uh-huh. uh, phil and i walked the orchard and we did a video on that on that project so there's there's a video up after you know like two and a half years in the ground so wow. it's um it's it's really going to be fun to, to carry this all the way out and actually write the report and and kind of redefine apple growing in a, in a backyard sense in general. No kidding. So I have a question, for, a further question for you then. Are there any early season apples in those 29 that would ripen before July 1st? Well, unfortunately, most of the high chill varieties, you uh-huh. know, they're high chill because they're late bloomers. Yeah. And they're, and, you know, they don't really ripen early. So I get most of my fruit out of that project. I don't think I have any fruit in July. Uh-huh. I think the first varieties come in about mid-August, and then mm-hmm. I have fruit all the way into winter. Got it. The reason I ask that is because I've found here in, in the low desert in Phoenix that the any fruit that stays on the tree after about July 10th is just cooked. Well, so. you know, apples are, you know, again, apples are kind of an anomaly. And, uh-huh. and they're interesting that, you know, I've, I've got some projects out there, um, one up in North Las Vegas for sure that I've been, working on up there. It's not actually my project. It's a, it's a UNR um, uh, orchard up there in North Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. But um, they have quite a few apple varieties in there, and they go through a pretty harsh summer, just like you guys in Phoenix. Uh-huh. And uh, they're getting some pretty good apples out of there. Apples, oh. in general, seem to be uh, pretty heat tolerant. Wow, so cool. I'm, I'm not so sure that some of these later season varieties might not uh, be worth a try in uh, in phoenix Phoenix. and i I, you know that may that would be a great fruit extender for you you know as far as adding a few selections that you can get into the fall through you know late late summer yeah fantastic you know it yeah i'm i'm just i'm totally enthused with this project and and um so far everything has gone my way everything's done what i hoped it would do and what i what i told the you know the the UC people that uh, my estimate is it's going to do this, and so far uh, it's doing better. enough, I've, I've been right. Yeah, 
Wow. Well, that is definitely an epic one. Thank you so much for sharing it. And thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Tom. It's been a treat getting to chat with you. Greg, it's, it's uh, indeed my pleasure. It's always good working with you and uh, you know, look forward to uh, many years of good fruit in the future. Yay. So how can our listeners find you, get a hold of you, find the website? Well, the, the website is uh, DaveWilson.com, mm-hmm. and um, go, to the, go to the backyard grower section. You don't want to waste your time in the commercial section mm-hmm. or the nursery section. So the, all, the, all the good information and all the videos and all the, the you know, articles on, on backyard growing are all in that you know, backyard grower section. Yeah, along and, with... Um, you know, we're all accessible from, from the website. From the website. Along with descriptions One, of all the trees, right? Variety descriptions, rootstock yep. descriptions, chill hours. You know that—that's all. Yeah, chill hours. Explanations of all of that are all, all posted there. And uh, you know, there's some there's some really really good information. And uh, you know, again, I'm I'm really enthused about the website. I think uh, we've got a lot of really good quality people uh, mm-hmm. inputting information, and and you know, great uh, great videographer and photographer working on images. Perfect. We're trying to do something different to it and add to it all the all time. The time. Excellent, excellent. That's DaveWilson.com. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids 
to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.